Heavenly Father, we give this evening afresh to you, uh, again at the end of perhaps uh, tiring days and many different things filling our minds. Thank you that we, we give these next two hours to you. We ask, Lord, that you will be our teacher. You will be our enlightener. You will be the revealer of truth to us this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. Last uh, last time, we were thinking about... Uh, Rick was doing most of the teaching, uh, if you were here, of our uh, authority in Christ and what that means for us. And I think one of the most memorable things was just uh, when we had that little acting out here where we started... We started with God's creation and uh, the Garden of Eden and God creating mankind and giving authority to Adam and Eve in the Garden. Then through their disobedience uh, and their pride and their turning away, then... Satan usurps that authority and has headship over uh, a fallen world. And so that was past, if you like, and uh, if you can remember, I was the unfortunate one representing Satan. Then we had the Christ figure and Christ's incarnation, his death, and resurrection wrestles back that authority, his sinless life and the triumph of the cross and his obedience regains that rightful authority. And that authority which Christ takes from Satan, he then as well for us in Christ, passes to us. It's not that Christ is without authority at the Father's right hand, far from it. But there is a delegated authority for us in Christ that is going to enable us uh, to defeat tough stuff in our lives and in the world. And so... uh, That was part of the foundation. Um, Rick reminded us of um, how that was affected in Jesus' ministry, just this sort of spiritual truth of the centurion who's got the servant lying at home paralyzed. And he said to him, I will, Jesus said to him, I will come and cure him. And he said, you don't even need to go there, Jesus. I know your authority, I recognize your authority, because I'm a man under authority. Just say the word, and he will be healed. And just that interplay there of, if you like, a, a human being recognizing Christ's authority. And the key to Christ's authority 
we were reminded was that Jesus knew who he was, his belovedness, and how, if you like, both his baptism and that wrestling with Satan in the wilderness before he embarks on his earthly ministry, Jesus is secure in that identity. He knew who he believed. He lived a life of obedience to the will of the Father. Uh, And out of that, in his humanity, but his perfect humanity and his obedient humanity, Christ had that authority on earth that was his. So that was a little bit. And then we, then we had, um, thinking about that, uh, practically that I took up it in terms of church leadership and family life and community uh, and healing. And, uh, perhaps didn't say quite so much about in our personal lives, which is where we want to make the link uh, as we go in to tonight, thinking about um, the spiritual battle uh, that we're involved in as Christians and the spiritual reality. And if you like, that's about taking Christ's authority our awareness of who we are in Christ and our identity in him uh, can lead us in our own lives to have that triumph and that victory in our lives over those things that may assault us, over those temptations that will come your way and my way. Like we were saying last time, we're not saying uh, that authority gives us freedom from evil or freedom from sickness, or freedom from tough stuff coming our way, or freedom from life always turning out wonderful. We're not saying that. But, in that, if you like, spiritual battle that we will be involved in, and wanting to walk God's way, and the enemy wanting us to detract from that, then... We have that authority to uh, defeat the evil one in our lives. Paul puts it like this. It's a well-known verse. It's, it's It's a key verse, if you like. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is Ephesians 6.10. Put on the full armor of God to take your stand against the devil's schemes. So Paul recognises the devil's for real. So did Jesus. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That was Paul's understanding. And that was Paul's understanding... Although if we know his life, of course, the reality was there were struggles in the church. There were people that were getting on his nerves. There were people who were leading others into heresy. Elsewhere, he talks about how, you know, he's been lashed and tortured and shipwrecked and he's been opposed and he's been flogged and he's put into prison. So all of those things were happening. They were real. They were in his flesh. And it didn't always mean he could avoid them. It didn't mean 
because he's got his authority in Christ, he wasn't put into prison. He was. But he's saying the reality is behind that. And in terms of wanting to see God's kingdom come in the world and through his life, he's saying it's a spiritual battle. There's this spiritual reality, which we might term as like the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so at times, when we feel we're in a battle, sometimes it may just be our Christian faith is coming up against other values that are in the world that are not godly, or even in your workplace. When maybe you're just asked to work 90 hours a week. You know, that's that's not God's purpose for you. But your workplace is telling you to do that, and there can be a battle there. Or you're asked to do something that's not as honest as it could be. And you're coming up against a different value of the world. It may be what we call the flesh where we all know, I know, you know, there are particular areas in my life that might be more prone to giving in to temptation. The weaknesses of my flesh, even though Christ lives in me. There's still a reality there. And it may be, at times as well, we experience real assaults of the evil one, of Satan in one form or another, in one guise or another. That's the battle, if you like. And the outworking, of course, is in your life and mine, but it's what lies behind, Paul is saying. And he's saying, that's where the battle and the victories are won. And a spiritual battle needs spiritual weapons. This uh, perhaps well-known book, you can say, oh, it's well-known, but if you don't know it, it's not well-known, is it? Um, Screwtape Letters, uh, C.S. Lewis, written 1941. Um, letters from a senior to a junior devil. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's a marvellous book written by a Christian. He says this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. And hail a materialist, no, there's nothing supernatural in this world ever. Or a magician, oh, Let's try and really find out what these dark secrets are. They're equally pleased with either a materialist or a magician with the same delight. In other words, no. Don't get obsessed with the evil one or Satan. Don't go looking for him. Don't go attributing everything to him either. But equally... If you think he doesn't exist, or there isn't uh, a spiritual evil in a spiritual reality, you're wrong. Uh, and that's a serious error as well. 
So spiritual battle needs spiritual engagement. I was showing my age to Rick because he told me, oh, that was before his time. I was thinking about Thunderbirds. You know, what was the Thunderbird one that went under the sea? Was it Thunderbird 5? 4? Thank you, Andy. I knew you'd know. Great. And most of the others went up in the sky, didn't they? Okay. You know, so if the battle was in the sky, Thunderbird 4 was useless. If the battle was under the sea, you know, Thunderbird 2 was useless. They probably had one that could do both, I expect. I can't remember now. But you get the point. And actually, if, if it's a spiritual battle, mm, actually just stamping our feet or moaning to somebody, uh, won't necessarily deal with it. You know, a spiritual battle. We need the sort of, uh, the weapons or the troops for the right field of conflict. And Paul is saying, well, it's a spiritual battle. Here are the spiritual weapons and the spiritual resources. Uh, and Rick's going to talk a lot more about that. And Chris's as well, as we come into the whole area of prayer and intercession, uh, which is a supreme spiritual weapon uh, alongside the Word of God. There are two main tactics of the enemy. I'm getting into Monty Python country now, and... Um, Nobody expects a Spanish Inquisition sketch. We have two main weapons, and then it gets three or four. But here's two. Fear and lies. They're the two main weapons of the enemy. Fear and lies. Uh, that means sometimes it can just be a conspiring of circumstances that the enemy uses. Or he can play on my weaknesses and know that that's a little bit of a loophole the word of god prayer back to our first week our identity in christ are foundational uh, in the spiritual battle i'm finishing now because i'm going to pass over to rick i always like what somebody said to me in this whole area sometimes when we do feel the enemy's having a bit of a go at us we feel we're in a spiritual battle. We may feel a bit like giving up. We may, we may get a voice that's saying to us, Oh, have you done that? Can you really believe now? You know, God's going to give up on you or whatever. Oh, that's happened in your family. Oh, how can you believe in a good God anymore then? Whatever. They said, Don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. Because we will all do that. If I'm going through a dark time, a tough time, yeah, it's very easy to think, oh, God, you know, you're not really real, are you? You're not really up for it. Don't doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. And, of course, it's the light. If you've ever been down a cave, I've been down a few caves, pitch black, it's the light that dispels the darkness. So we don't focus on the darkness. We lift up Christ, the light of Christ, because light dispels darkness. Yes, even when I've been ministering to people, or maybe they've said, would you come and pray through this house? Or, you know, they have been involved in some, some dark activities. Yes, we do need to pray into that. We do need to perhaps cut things off, and we do speak against that. But much more, 
we say, bring the light and the peace and the wholeness of Christ. Because where the light is, the darkness can't be. The light of Christ, the name of Christ, the blood of Christ are key in this area. So be aware, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your enemy does prowl around like a roaring lion. But he says, before that, draw near to God. Focus more on Christ than on the enemy.